You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. You said you knew from your first job that you wanted to retire early. Why did you know that in the first job? So <laughs> what was it? You know, when I think back to that first job, I think the sense that I got was I don't want to always work for somebody else. I want to do something on my own. But you had just started. <laughs> How'd it you didn't know? happen on the first day. I, <laughs> but you could just get another job. I mean, that didn't mean well, the whole thing was broken. And I, and, and I did. And I went from my first job at a mid-stage startup to an enormous corporation. And I saw some similar things and I saw some different things. But none of that made me want to just go off and, and build a yurt and, and live in that and, and sit in the woods and, and play the bongos. Rather, it made me think about what do I want to do longer term? Do I want to do my own startup? I know lots of smart people and they seem like they've got great ideas too. Like we could do something different. So I think my journey to leaving, uh, you know, the corporate world actually started with the thought of there's probably another way to get this fulfillment from work to use the skills that I've built and do something on my own. That was the first starting point. And I, wa I knew that I wanted to do that before I got too far down the career road. And I would have these thoughts about, you know, by the time I'm 50 or 55, I want to do that thing. So what was, what was your first job like? Did you have any inkling out of the gate that you wouldn't want to just keep doing this the way you started? Or, or what, was, what was it for you? I mean, my first job was... Uh, <laughs> I really did not want to be an architect after my first job. It was like 150 people in this firm. We were designing schools and it was the furthest thing from my vision of what being an architect could possibly be. <laughs> it was so Is that for creative reasons or like what was the thing that yeah, made it wrong? Yeah. I mean, what they don't tell you in architecture school is when you get out of school, you are essentially just the, the, you are the hard labor drawing toilet plans and bathroom oh, wow. details. I mean, every bat. So if you go into an airport yeah. and you go into a stall there, some young architect has designed that bathroom stall <laughs> and it really? is the most, it's the worst job to have. And that's what you do for many, many years as a young oh, architect. No yeah. I mean, unless you're someone with talents that I didn't have, I mean, you pretty much start off as an intern, you know, doing all the scut work. And yeah. I was measuring schools. Like I'd go and measure a 300,000 square foot school, like 300,000 square feet. Okay. Picture your house. Your, your house is probably 2000 square yeah, feet, right? 2000. Yeah. Just, it's just awful. Like that, that work. Yeah. Awful. It's not designed. It's not creativity. It's not fun. So my first job basically taught me that, uh, I was probably, I had probably chosen the wrong profession and wow. uh, like you, I wasn't making that much money, right? What, how much were you making in your first job? First job, uh, 27,000. Okay. <laughs> That's right, because you negotiated a, an additional 1K out of that. 1,000. <laughs> that was yeah. big, man. Yes. After taxes, I could do a lot with that. <laughs> so I was getting paid much, and I was like, well, what's this for? Wow. But I didn't have that kind of start a business or, or do a startup. Um, kind of mentality and still until I started sort of meeting some people that I was working with, they're like, Hey, you should just do houses on the side. If you want to design houses, cause that's really what I wanted to do. And yeah. so they started kind of showing me that, Oh, maybe there's something more to it. But man, I was, I wasn't like you in 
that I had a strategic plan for kind of leveling up my salary. I was just like, I'm lucky to have a job at this point. I'm going to work this one out for a few years. And like, I, there was zero strategy. You're giving uh, me a little credit because <laughs> the leveling up strategy didn't come until my, probably my third job. Oh, okay. Okay. That's when I really started to figure that stuff out. And also I would say the whole idea of, you know, me and my first couple of jobs thinking like, oh, I could start my own business. That didn't come out of some creative genius, to be fair. Yeah. It came out of the fact that I saw I had the opportunity to be at some of those companies and I saw how they got started and I saw the kinds of people that were starting them Yeah, and they weren't special. Okay. They were just scientists and engineers who had a good idea and had some connections at a university and one of them knew how to go find money and raise money. And I realized this is actually easier than I thought. So you was. thought like you actually thought you could do it. I did. And I still do think I could do it. Uh -huh. I just don't want to anymore. <laughs> right. I definitely don't want to start up a biotech company. Let me just go on record with that. Yeah, man. But at that stage of my career, I did think that that might be something I wanted to do. And I saw that it was possible. Yeah. So that, so was that your sort of transition to your second job then? I did a mid-stage startup and then I went to a large corporation and then I went to a very early stage startup. And it's at that point that I started to realize anyone can do this. You know, at that third job, the company... I didn't think I ever was going to go anywhere, but was super fun and really smart people. And I went through, started going through a, a series of changes in my life. You know, I, I ended up getting divorced. Uh, I later met somebody else and, you know, in that relationship developing started to realize that, you know, we really were aligned on some really important things about life, not being all material about working forever and how much could you amass? It was, we got other things we want to do and we love travel and maybe we want to start up a small business on our own, not in biotech. I had decided at that point, this is you um, and your future wife we're yeah. talking about or okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 2001 was a really formative year where I started to get a lot more. The only word I know is selfish about what I was going to do with my life. Um, and it, it was really impactful and I don't even know why. And I, I've thought about this a lot, but started to really think about, well, how do I get to that place I want to get to? What do I really want to do with the years I have vertical on this planet? Um, this career thing is going pretty well. I, I was starting to move up into management positions at this company, um, was in a new relationship and, you know, wanted to, just figure out how to get where I wanted to get. And so we had set a, we set a goal, you know, kind of like by 55, can we be done with this working for other people thing? You know, can we save up enough, whatever that means, you know, we're willing to live modestly and Lori was great about that, right? You know, we don't need stuff. Like how do we get to the point where we can be comfortable, do the travel we want to do, maybe start up a small business, whatever it is that's going to make us happy. We need to start making those changes. And so that started a cascade of things, but that year was a pivot point in everything that came after. It went from like kind of vague concepts about, well, maybe I don't want to stay in the corporate world working for other people forever. I want to start up my own biotech maybe to, I want to live the life I want to live. I want to be able to self-direct. I want to be able to travel with the frequency we want to under the timeline that we want. And I bet we can figure out how to get there. I mean, it's interesting to hear you peg it to a specific date or a turning, you know, this sort of turning point. Um, yeah. 
Cause it's I don't, initially yeah. it sounded like you, you started that first job and then you were like, yep, I'm not doing this forever. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that bad. I yeah. think <laughs> Okay. for whatever reason, like point in my life, like that series of events drove it home to me that we've got the time we have and we should spend it doing what it is that's going to make us happy and feel fulfilled and, you know, self-actualized. I mean, this may be me speaking out of turn, but I think it's one of the key reasons why you and Lori have got along so well and have stayed together. And she's yeah. such a great, you know, spouse for you and support person for you because she's just able to step back and just kind of let you be like who you are and what, and let you follow what you want to do. And I think that's, you know, anybody wants that in a partner, someone who just says, yeah, you want to go pursue this? You want to check that out? You want to do this? That That's perfect. I mean, yeah. you just maybe needed someone to give you permission to do that. One of the most important things Lori did, and I said this to her today, was kind of gave a voice to the ideas I had bouncing around my head, mm -hmm. that they were, to your point, that they were valid, that they were achievable, and that you could live a happy and fulfilling life by taking those decisions, whether they were the ones that everybody would have you take or that you maybe thought you were going to take or not. And she, as a voice of reason, is has been a really important part of how this journey has gone. And for sure, she had to sacrifice a lot in terms of time and, and you know, other other things due to me not being around or not being sort of, you know, uh, emotionally available as I needed to be at times because of the, the pressures of work and the, the time spent away. And so, yeah, she's got all the credit for helping us get here too, whether she was the one climbing the corporate ladder or not. So yeah, your, your point's totally valid. But it's hard to imagine that you were thinking like this while we were living a couple miles apart as adults conversing. Yeah. And you, you never, I mean, not that we talked about, I don't think we ever talked about money, really. It was never really no. part of our interaction, but you had you were mapping this out, man, and I was asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I was always very hesitant to talk with anybody about money. And maybe that harkens back to our conversations about childhood and thinking about money. Yeah. Maybe it's just insecurity. Uh, maybe it's about... Um, you know why I didn't do it? Because <laughs> I didn't make any... <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell wants to talk about their measly pay? <laughs> but, you know, you're, the, the, the point is valid. I didn't share a lot about my aspirations. I mean, maybe I would have mentioned to you after a number of beers that I probably wasn't going to do this forever. And uh -huh. maybe I wanted to retire at 55. I might have shared that. I have no idea. Yeah, it, it doesn't stand out as a, as a thing. Okay. But it wouldn't I have didn't. surprised me if you did. But I mean, I always I, saw I you as... a lot of insecurity about that stuff. Like, how really? would people react? Would they judge me? Is it... Okay feel lazy. Like I don't want to work to the comment you made, which is, you know, you know, joking, I assume. Right. But, but after our daughter was born is, is really when Lori and I can identify as the time where our thinking about our path changed. We, you know, yes, we were good savers as we've talked about, but it started to get a lot more deliberate and really started to realize during my next job that I could probably ascend even faster. I mean, it sounds like you were just growing. Uh, I mean, you were willing to take different chances and different opportunities as they came. I was. Laura and I made very different choices. Uh, yeah. You know, Tell we me had, about that. We had kids while we were here in Maine. You know, when you moved here, we had one son and then we had another two years apart. So we made 
pretty conscious choice that we were going to stay here and Laura was going to try and pursue an academic, you know, sort of her own research lab here. And, um, I was happily designing homes at this firm that, you know, I, I was, I stayed at that firm for 12 years, almost 13 wow. years. So super, yeah, super happy and engaged. And I think, you know, maybe this is some of that same feelings that you were feeling when you have young kids, it's like enough to deal with yeah. just keeping your kids alive and keeping them in diapers. And, you know, you got daycare to deal with it at a certain point if both spouses are working and that feels like a job in itself. And so the, the career in many ways, I just saw that as a, as a means for supporting the family and making a vacation happen every once in a while. It never felt like it was, it was going to be, as you put it, kind of life-changing money. It, it yeah. never felt that way. And I, I was always one, and my architecture friends would always joke with me about this, like, hey, man, you're, you're lucky to have married like a geneticist. That, that's like, that's perfect move for you financially because she's going to be the one who's, <laughs> who's bringing it home, which, you know, looking at your example of kind of moving up, I, there was a part of me that was kind of like, hey, Laura, like ever consider this? <laughs> you know, ever thought about that? And she's like, I don't, it's so insulting for me to have said that looking back on that because it wasn't what she wanted. It just, yeah, it wasn't. You know, in a lot of ways. I talked to her about it a couple of times. No yeah, interest. Yeah. I, I respect that. Right. She, she really knew what she wanted to do and, and did it. Well, I guess, I mean, but you know, her starting a lab in many ways is like starting your own startup or your own business because you, sure don't, it is. you don't really know where funding's coming from and what your next project is. And of course, over time it coalesces into something interesting and, yeah. and, something you couldn't have predicted probably, but, um, I'm sure. I mean, that those, those years I was looking at pretty fondly too, but you know, once your kids start becoming more independent and, and then you start to maybe refocus on your job a little bit. And, and if you've been there for any period of time, there's things that you're not going to be happy with. How did you transition from working at a firm to your own business and what all of the things that that's led to? Starting my own business was kind of this idea that I talk about it with friends or family just in the abstract inside. I never really seriously thought that I was actually going to execute on that. In 2008, downturn in the economy, the market fell apart. That really started impacting us up here in Maine and all of our clients in 2012. And so... Okay. The firm that I was working for was about six people at that point, and they basically said, look, we are running out of work, and we can't afford to pay you the salary we committed to. So they cut our salary by 20%, and they basically said, look, you can come into the office five days a week and help us find drum up new work, or you can take 20% of the time, which is effectively one day a week, and you know seek work out on your own to kind of supplement that income that we've taken right. away from you. So they were, they basically gave you a permission slip to go find new work. A job always felt stable and like a sure thing to me yeah. until that moment when I realized, you know, they're the ones really holding the purse strings. I mean, that's right. I worked for them for 12 years basically and had modest increases in my pay, but nothing phenomenal. It wasn't at all like what you were doing. I mean, you, you were basically intentionally leveling up. Like you would leave a place because you wanted to earn more, right? Because you had this goal in mind. I didn't have that in my head. Yeah. I was just saying, this feels comfortable. This is all good. But when they cut the salary, I thought, all right, this is my chance to really kind of 
take this business idea and make it real. And so I started okay. laying the foundation for the business that I have today. You have to really get uncomfortable with something in order to make a change. So definitely, I was at this point where I was feeling a little underappreciated, not only financially, but also just the hours I was working and all the credit was going to the people whose names were on the door at, rather than yep. me, even though I was doing all the work. And so when the pain level at the job, which has felt comfortable for a really long time, gets to a certain point and it's above the, the pain level yeah. of, you know, starting the business. Cause that was the, always the thing I was like, well, geez, if I go and start this business, like, and it fails, like I, I, how am I ever going to recover from that? Like financially, emotionally, but you start to realize at a certain point, like, okay, pain level so high here. I might as well try the business. I mean, that, right. that feels like any failure that could happen there feels less painful than sticking it out in the current situation. So I basically, totally. <laughs> I, I mean, I made a pretty snap decision about this one day, just based on a set of circumstances that I won't get into here. Um, but my wife, Laura, completely in support of it. And it was the most, you know, the day I left that job that I had held for 12 years was the most liberating time in my life, oh, like the most nice. exciting time and the most frightening, you know, that, that day that I left and I was driving home, I thought, this is it, man, this is my, right. this is my chance. <laughs> so I started the business in 2013. So we're about, this will be year number eight for me. It's just been this constant reinvention of yeah. who I am and how I can earn money. And rather than just defining myself as one singular person, like I'm an architect, yeah. I, I really took this idea of entrepreneurship and kind of expanded the definition of who I was, you know? And right, right. And this is my big question for you. How much wandering do you have to do or trying and failing or like before you really hit on something? Is that a year's process? Does it never stop evolving? I'm so fascinated by this idea. When I first started the business, I was the architect. I was basically copying the business of the firm okay. that I had just left because that's, again, that's kind of all I knew. And I said, these guys served clients. There are more of these clients in this area here. I can do mm -hmm. the same exact thing. And what I realized was as a solo operator, when I started working with five different clients at once, that was not only five clients, but it was five contractors and yeah. you know, five kitchens to design all the, all the things that you do with designing a home. I was almost forced in a way to reinvent how I operated this business because what I was, oh, okay. what I was finding was I was just so unhappy and so unfulfilled with that idea that I, I could invest as much time as this business would, would take. And I'd still never be able to serve all the client's needs to, right. to the level that I wanted to. So I was forced in a way to say, I can't maintain this. So I need to find another way to do this. So the experimentation was really out of necessity. Oh, um, I see. And I wanted to find a way that I wasn't just trading every single hour that I had for another dollar. And, and I think that's, you know, reading the four hour work week. I know you've read the yep. four hour work week. Definitely. It's one of those transformative books for me that really talks about that idea of divorcing, you know, the hours that you're working for the dollars that you're earning. And when I really bought into that idea and tried to figure out how I could make that work for the business, that's the point at which each one of these little experiments felt like I wasn't having to invest my entire life into one thing, like being an architect, like serving clients, 
but I could just kind of take this scattershot approach and say, well, I'm going to try making videos over here. I was writing over here. You know, I was doing plan sets and trying to make products over here. I was making physical products. Like I was selling furniture at one point and just trying all these different things. Yeah. And that kind of experimentation has just been baked into the DNA of the business. Like that's the thing I feel is most characteristic of this business. Not the fact that I'm an architect and I serve clients or I'm a content creator and I make videos for YouTube. It's just this workshop is just kind of a house for experimentation. And so to answer your question, it's like, it's not a year, it's not two years. Yeah. It's just, it is, <laughs> it's just what yeah, I do. That's fair. Part of what I think starting the business for me has done is just be comfortable with the idea that I mean, I can't see beyond where the headlights in front of the car are. Yeah. And instead of being terrifying, like it was eight years ago, now it's really exciting because yeah. I don't know what lies ahead. I've, I'm definitely more comfortable with that idea of not knowing and being, being able to run experiments, which lead me away from the traditional singular notion of who I am in the right. world. And I think that it's, it's interesting to see you having transitioned from financial independence to, to, you know, retiring early and really grappling with this idea of identity and who you are. And because I, it feels so familiar to me that, yeah, that okay, makes me feel this much better. <laughs> yeah. That break point in 2013 for me was, man, I'm an architect and I got to do a house, you know, every year at least. And I, I don't do a house every year cause I'm just one guy. And I chose to yeah. just work with one client at a time. And I made this business work for me creatively yeah. and for my family and financially. Like it's just that perfect combination of those interests. And that, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't just experiment with all these different things early on and be comfortable with yeah. trying some stuff and failing at it. Starting a business, it's a lot different than the path that you took, but I feel like it's the only way for someone in my field to really take that leap in terms of increasing your income. Starting a business was this wealth creation tool for me that I hadn't fully anticipated until I was able to really kind of refine the business model. And it took, you know, to your point, that didn't happen overnight. It right. took many years to get there. Um, but I was, I mean, I think if you look at the evolution from day one of the business to what it is today, you know, I'd always strive to have 80% of my income come from passive earning products, you know, just assets that I had out there, things like videos, plan sets, courses, information products, templates, books, all that stuff. Like that's kind of this bolus of content that is just the flywheel that puts cash in the business. Right. One of the, the interesting parts about you know, these dialogues is just that you're coming to a certain set of realizations, maybe that I've had in the past, and I'm coming to a, a different set of realizations that you've had in the past. And, and it's that intersection that makes these discussions and revelations, I think, interesting and, and kind of compelling, you know, and um, yeah, for me, too, it does make me wish, you know, just kind of referencing something you said a little while ago, that I that I had asked about, or, you know, some of these things sooner, or sure, had yeah. conversations about that stuff because I, I, I wonder what I would have done with it. Maybe nothing because I wouldn't 
take the time to do anything with it. Maybe you would just be like, oh, that's cool. In a lot of ways, I think my risk tolerance for employment was, was a lot lower than yours, <laughs> you know, yeah. until I got to that breaking point with, with that one firm. And I was just like, all right, I've had enough. That's kind of where I was pushed to. Whereas you, I think didn't, I think you viewed your leveling up and career and thinking about finances, that whole sort of milieu of things that you were kind of processing in here. You yeah. were, you really thought about it more carefully than I did. And, and you were willing to take some risks that I definitely was not willing. I mean, you moved your family across country. I was really pretty envious of that. I thought, man, I, I wish I could make that decision. And, and as I look forward to what the next steps for us are, we're going to move from Maine at some point. I'm really looking forward to that. I feel like yeah. now, like the financial independence for me in that way is going to be the freedom to say, gosh, I, I really do want to explore a new place. Yes. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just sitting here reacting to what you just said. I think there's two things that made it easy for me to do those things and everything else that made it hard. The two things that made it easy are number one, we were on a path. We knew what we wanted to get to and we weren't going to let anything stop us from getting there because we didn't want to do this forever. We didn't want to work these kinds of hours <laughs> and, and, and be apart as a family for longer than we had to. And and, and at a certain point, that was a number, right? Yes, it was. Okay. It was. Yeah. And, and, and number two, I have always felt from my first job, and I don't know why, I've always felt that if you, if you work hard, if you gain a, a reputation for doing good work and having skills, everything's going to work out. You can jump between jobs. If it doesn't turn out to be the great fit you thought it was, there's going to be something else you can yeah. do. Yes, there are limits to that, right? You can't switch jobs every three months. But you can do a year or two anywhere and you know, then credibly go do something else. I have always felt that way. Lori was very supportive in that because, again, back to point number one, it was going to get us where we needed to get. So, yes, I definitely was not fearful of making changes because I knew it would work out. Right. I had a plan. I knew the end. We knew the end point. We had no idea what this crazy map was going to look like to get there, but we had to make sacrifices. Right. Yeah. We knowingly moved away from family, away from friends, uh, you know, felt unsettled at times because we were moving around even within state. And those are sacrifices that we had decided were reasonable. Yeah. They weren't simple decisions. Some people were rightfully unhappy with us moving away with their <laughs> grandchild, right? And I felt bad about that. Lori did too. I was disappointed, but, but I was also, I mean, I think if you're good friends with somebody, you, the excitement probably outweighs that. I mean, there's there, the, if you're disappointed, it's really a selfish emotion yeah. more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I was always excited for you guys to see what you were up to and, and what was next in a lot of ways. This, um, this, my path to financial independence follows yours because I mean, you're, you're, you've kind of pioneered some of these things for me and have made it safe and comfortable for me to also explore it. And I'm going to do it differently than you. I don't have the same probably financial means as you, and I have different avenues I'd like to explore, but I mean, it's all interesting and exciting in a way that, you know, like when you were leaving your job and I was kind of like living vicariously through that countdown, like I know you were crossing days off the calendar. I was at a certain point and I wasn't doing it to that extent, but there, but there was kind of a mental checklist like, Oh man, Jay's only got like two more weeks left of work. I wonder what that's going to feel like 
for me, you know, you, you talked about this a little bit, but that, that sort of end point, when you got to the end of it, you said your kind of anxiety level, your excitement level was here and your anxiety level, you you were kind of trading places with those two. And, and I wonder what that's going to be like for me, because in a lot of ways I am just financially independent right now. I mean, I have this big kind of passive income that's coming in. I don't really have to do a lot to, to make that work on Hopefully I like being able to self-direct. I like, I like a lot of what I'm doing right now. (laughs) So in many ways you're like, you're already partly or mostly there. I think that's the thing that's different for you. And I think in some respects, you know, you've experienced some of that anxiety already. Yeah. Maybe you, you left working for other people. You started your own business. You realized after a lot of experimentation and, and, and time spent, right. You know, working, you know, spending time in the workshop away from your family to produce those passive streams of income. So you've taken some of the steps already. Your order is different. Yeah. The more I, the more conversations we have about this, <laughs> the more I realize how you've just changed the sequence. But yeah. in many respects, I think your transition is going to be maybe easier. Isn't the right word. No, but I would I say, you, yeah, I think easier might be it. I think so. Yeah. Because it's less of a cliff. It's not a step function. It's not a square wave, but it's right? also, yeah. And I mean, and I that's know great. Yeah, I think that's cool. No, it's cool. But it's also that idea of like you build something big, something bigger than yourself. You know, it's like you walking away from the workplace. You had a team of people, you had all this work and active engaged work. And then you leave it and I'm like, Oh, is that the right thing to do? Or is, yeah. you know, is, the, um, is that who I am? Or so I think those things are not going to be different for me. I think, you know, if I just set, decided to stop making videos altogether, that would be a big, that would be a big change for me. Cause it's something Huge. I've done for so many years, you know, so it's been a part of my creative practice. And, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you and I starting this channel, it's totally liberating because I'm like, well, who cares what we do? We can, I mean, we can figure it out as we, as we go. That's, this is totally fine. And meanwhile, you're like, wow, people are falling off here. Like what's the (laughs) analytics? I'm like, "Eh, who cares, man? We got, we got tons of videos to try and figure this out. Anyhow, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this other than to say like, it's all the thing about financial independence. That's I'm not there yet, but that I've, I'm starting to taste it. It's just that you know, the freedom to self-direct without any bounds on someone owning that time. I freaking love that idea. man. I just love that so much. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com.